You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Holy Spirit, you are so good. Uh, no, we're not going to start Hab- Habakkuk. I feel, man. words. Uh, Melanie and Chris, you guys have just been on my heart. I had, uh, I, I feel like God's bringing you guys into a, uh, a season of really establishing you in a new place of authority, um, the both of you. I, um, I also feel like, and I don't know fully what it represents, but Melanie, you're going to be stepping into a place of tremendous um, capability and generosity. Um, I had a dream with you in it, and you're, you're giving away massive amounts of money. And, and the dream was to me, which is great. Um, but I don't think it really represents you giving me money. I think it represents you stepping in what you carry, and you're stepping into a season of God's going to begin to give you a capacity to walk in a place of generosity. I don't know what that fully means, but I feel over you too. You've just been highlighted to me. Um, and um, I just feel like God's welcoming you. I kept hearing over the two of you this morning, he's going to establish you spiritually into something. I don't feel like it's a establishing a way into something. I feel like it's an establishing into something that's already in your hearts. But when I say establish, he's going to put a greater level of authority on the two of you that's really going to empower you to step into areas that your hearts already are. Um, and so I just bless you too. I, um, I know the Lord will speak deeper than where I went, but Father, I thank you for them. I thank you for their, their, oh, man, their ability to just steward what you have in every area of life. I've watched you guys for a while now and how you'll just walk in. I watch you just release the kingdom on people anywhere you're at. And I bless you with what God is establishing in you today, a greater level of authority, a greater level of resources. And I, I, I do speak over you guys, even financially, a wave of resources that you don't even have to know where it's, <laughs> why it's happening but a wave of resources because what God wants to do through you guys is going to cost some money. And so there's things that he wants to call you into that's still greater, and he's going to resource it. And so I just bless you with resources. And just get ready. Just get ready. And Chris, your joy, I just, it is such a, a contagious joy on you, man. Um, yeah. Lord, would you just amp up the joy of the Lord over Chris? <laughs> I actually feel like you may even just find yourself laughing when things aren't even funny. <laughs> it's just because it's just a reminder that God is just reminding you, you carry joy. You are a joy carrier. You are joyful, Chris. Joyful. And everything that I say over you applies to your children, that you would be a family. You guys are a tribe that carries the presence well. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I love it when God, <laughs> I love it when God speaks. I've learned just to let that be the priority. Too often we want to hear ourselves speak <laughs> and not him. And I'd rather hear him speak. And sometimes he disrupts the message and that's okay. I think it's going to happen a few more times this morning. But let's see where it goes, all right? John chapter 14. Um, If you have your Bibles, open there. I'm going to take one more drink of water. 
I only have a few minutes this morning. But John chapter 14, verse, um, let's just do verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works. Everybody say greater. greater. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. I love this next line. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's stop right there a second. This is powerful because Jesus came to take away the, you know, the, it was an orphan planet. And he came and he, he came to the earth to, you know, he was, my goodness, they were not expecting their Savior to come as Father. I don't think we understand. We've, we've, those of you that have been believers for a while, it's completely normal for you to pray, oh, Lord Jesus, Father, right? For them, that was completely abnormal, the idea of the Savior. They were expecting someone to come and overthrow things and war. And Jesus came in as a lamb and said, call me Dad, Abba. And it was completely foreign to them. Because Jesus, at the heart of what he was doing, we could say so many different things about why Jesus came. He came to empower. He came to save. And let me just hit pause a minute. Saving you from hell into heaven, that was like the door open to the house when you gave your life to Jesus. That's not the fullness of your salvation. So many people stand at the door and just stand there. I'm saved. It's just a whole house. And we, we often even create ministries out of it. It's all about, you know, how many people got saved on Sunday. And, and, and we can get caught in that trap if we're not careful of just, you know, how many conversions do we get when really we were called to make disciples. We were called to raise up people. We were called to empower people. We were called to be empowered and empower others. And we, we have this where Jesus came, and he came, and one of the primary reasons he came was because he loved you, and he didn't want this planet to stay filled with orphans. He wanted them to be adopted back into the family. I, you know, I, Jesus, <laughs> I, I say it this way sometimes, I think he dreamed about you. I think that Jesus, you know, when you create something, there's a dreaming process, right? Anyone, you know, we're all creative in one way or another, whether you're an artist in paper or you build homes or whatever it is, we're all creative in some way or another. There's, how many of you know there's a dreaming process? There's the process, I kind of live there. <laughs> I, Tiffany's like, uh-huh. She could be talking to me, and I'm just like, she's like, did you hear a word I said? And I'm just dreaming. That's Okay. We, we, we tell our kids when they're young, like, hey, get your head out of the clouds. No, get your head back in the clouds. 
You were designed to live from a higher place. Don't crush your kids and bring them down to the here. Let them live where God created them to live. And that's your fear, and that's your pain speaking. Be responsible. Jesus came that we would be adopted, but when he created us, when the Father created you, I, I always see him, I don't know how this works, but he dreamed about you. Randall Worley talked it about a few weeks ago. He said he doesn't just know how many, number, how many hairs are on your head. It says that he knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. Now, that, that's, my wife is big into, like, paint by numbers. I, now, I can't do that. It's like thousands of numbers, and that just gives me anxiety. But she can paint with this little, you know, and make these beautiful pictures, and every single piece of that picture has a number. The idea that God doesn't just know how many thousands of hairs on your head, but he knows which ones are which numbers. Yep. He kind of likes you. I don't know why I'm going here, but maybe we need to get this. Many of you are like, God is good, and he thinks you're good. <laughs> he, he really likes you. And he dreamed about you. Before he created you, like any artist that's creating something, there was a dreaming process. And I've said it before, but think about this. You are God's dream come true. You are God's dream come true. And he came, and here he is, he's talking to his disciples, and he goes into this passage um, that he, well, it's not a passage when he said it, but he goes in and he tells them this, and everything is changing, and he tells them, I'm leaving, but listen, I won't leave you orphans. What does that mean? I've already adopted you, I've already brought you in the family, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm sending someone else. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, Jordan opened talking about Acts 2. And he says, I'm going to send someone else. And this for the disciples, I think that we don't think about. This was a risky proposition. They loved Jesus. He changed their life. They have walked with him, talked with him. You know, they have eaten together. They have done life together. The idea that your leaving, and you're saying you're going to send someone else, that would have been a challenge. Are you sure you have to go? Yeah, I have to go. I have to be glorified. And when I do so, I'm going to send someone else. And for them, this was a, this was, everything was beginning to change because the Holy Spirit used to come upon them. If you read back in your scripture prior to the Holy Spirit being poured out, the Holy Spirit would come on them for a purpose, for a job, for a, a calling, however you want to word it. The Holy Spirit would call them to do something, would rest on them and empower them to do it. And then when it was finished, the Holy Spirit would lift back off of them. Can you imagine the shift that's coming where now it's going to rest and it's never going to leave again? This is huge. This is also really important because I think that it even addresses the importance of us stewarding our personal life with the Holy Spirit all week long. Having one encounter with the Holy Spirit on Sundays and then going the rest of the week without stewarding your walk with the presence of God, you're going to find yourself empty. I get it, he's with you. I get it, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. But just because he hasn't left you doesn't mean that you haven't turned off your focus on him. 
And it's so important. One of the things that when I step into a new area of breakthrough or a new area of anointing, my heart is, Lord, how can I steward this? Because you step into that place and it's an open heaven and you feel it. And all of a sudden things can happen and life can go on and things begin to change. And, and I'm, I'm constantly, daily, Lord, how can I steward this with you? And here's the disciples. They didn't even have that opportunity until the Holy Spirit was coming. And I don't think that Jesus, you know, Jesus is getting ready to die. And uh, he's handing off the future of the church to these 12 knuckleheads. And um, they would not make most elder teams. I don't think Jesus was confident in who they were. I think he was confident in the encounter he knew they were getting ready to have. I think Jesus already knew who they were going to be when God touched them, when the Holy Spirit rested on them. I don't think you understand, like these guys, there's something in this for me, the ability to see something on people, to be able to see past the flaws, to be able to see past the failures. Do you, you do realize that if you read, they, when Jesus was arrested, they, it says that all the disciples fled and left him. I don't know if you know that or not. It wasn't just one. They all bailed on him. How would you like your 12 boys that have been doing life with you, and all of a sudden the heat's on, and they're like, we're out. And he's like, yep, they're going to take over the church. <laughs> you see, Jesus, he saw something in them. And you have to be able, you have to be okay with people's messes if you're going to begin to see something in people and lift them up before they're there. We've gotten really good at programs, 10,000-step discipleship programs, where it's like maybe one day you're going to get to do this. Jesus was so good at taking them and saying, I see who you're going to be in me. I used to youth pastor, uh, I youth pastored for, I don't know, 15-something, 15, 15, I don't know, it was a long time. 10 to 15 years, felt like 20. Um, and I remember, I remember when I began to, we just, we tried all these different methods with youth pastoring, right? You know, we, 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 we'd been a part of like the holiness thing, you know, where it's like you can't wear anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit and poor girls come in and they feel just shamed. And uh, we went through all these different pieces of walking through youth ministry. And I remember when the Lord told me one day, he said, John, he said, you, you get what you preach, if all you ever preach about is sin, all you ever going to have is a bunch of sinful teenagers. He said, what if you started to teach them about the presence of God? What if you started to teach them about who you are in Christ, the greatness within you? And so we did. We just began to change our whole, our whole entire approach to youth ministry and just began to just make space for God to move on the hearts of these teenagers. And it was really my preparation for what we do in here because we started doing it. And we were having Wednesday night services, and it was growing, and it was growing. And then all of a sudden, like, parents started coming in the room, and teenagers were like, I don't want my parents in here, man. And it was like people wanted to be in it. Why? It was just an atmosphere where people felt like I'm being empowered. We are called in the same way as Jesus to see, even through the junk, when God is highlighting somebody. This is, I don't, this is not my sermon. I just feel God on this, Okay. 
I take a lot of heat for this because I take a lot of risk with people. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But you have to take risk. You have to see what God is calling them to be. And Jesus said, listen, I trust you. I know when the Holy Spirit comes, you got this. And he's handing off the church. And here he is. I want to back it up just a hair, actually, to where Jesus was being baptized. I see something interesting. Remember when Jesus was, he, he was being baptized and in quite a moment, the heavens opened, the voice of the Father. I talked about this two weeks ago. This was the gate, and it was starting to happen with Jesus. I don't know how many of you were here that week, a couple weeks ago. But it's such an important passage because it's, he's fulfilling. He is the house of God. And he goes straight from his breakthrough, straight into the wilderness. This always encourages me because... We continually have, how many know you have that big breakthrough and you're like, I made it. <laughs> Pastor gave me a prophetic word. I'm good. And then you're like, next week, you're like, don't you give me another prophetic word. <laughs> Man, it's been rough. And you begin, I see it with, I see people when they, when God invites them. By the way, when I, I some of you, this may be new to you. I've, some people are like, what is that? When I give a prophetic word, when anyone gives a prophetic word, what that is, is the Lord, he knows your, he knows where he's calling you to be. And he will give words to invite you into where he's calling you to be. But it's an invitation, not a guarantee. This is important for people that are stepping into this prophetic culture because people are like, well, you gave me a word. So, well, that's an invitation. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee. It means that God is inviting you from here to here. You still have to say yes and go from here to here. You with me? This is really important because I give prophetic words and some people are like, I don't even know what that is. But you get words and, you know, maybe it's a thing you've been praying for and someone comes up and they call it out in your life and all of a sudden you're like, oh, thank God it's over. And, and you know, Jesus, we see this moment where he gets baptized and what happens? He goes straight into a season of being tested. 40 days, 40 nights. There's some amazing parallels if you go back and look at other, you know, other people that were taken for 40 days and 40 nights into encounters. And here is Jesus, though. He steps into this place of the wilderness. He's not going out there to be proven that he can't do it. God is proving what he can do. It's not proving what, you understand, when God takes you through a season, when we go through these seasons, I believe that there's seasons that we put ourselves in, and I think there's seasons that God takes us through. They're very different. Let me just say this right up front. God doesn't take you into failure. I, God does not take you into failure. I've had people that believe this. I, I had one couple years ago, I mean, my goodness, long time ago, that started a store, and it all fell apart. They lost everything, and at the end, they're like, we think God just wanted to teach us humility through this failure. And I was like, no. I don't know, I don't know what you did. But that wasn't God. 
somewhere along the way, God wasn't in that because God's desire is not for you to fail. I thought you guys would get this one better. This is, this is, a, this is a home run, easy. I'm slow pitch, right? Yeah, uh, God is good. He doesn't want you to fail. He also doesn't make you sick. <laughs> so just do the ABCs today. We're just going to go through the basics. He, he, he doesn't set you up for failure. But he will take you through seasons that will test you. And I've been through them. He's been through them. He takes you through seasons. And sometimes you take, sometimes, can I just say this? Life happens, and he didn't want that to happen to you. This is a big deal because you can over-spiritualize everything to the point where you're up all night long trying to figure out why is this happening to me. Life happens too. You see, the Holy Spirit, in all honesty, is my best friend. If you were to ask me, John, who's your best friend? The Holy Spirit. He's my absolute best friend. Every time that I'm going through something, I can pull into him. I can lean into the Holy Spirit. I love him. And I was just, I was talking to someone about this recently. I said, I can't even imagine going through what you're going through as someone who wasn't filled with the Spirit. I said, doing it on your own like that. It breaks my heart. I said, because I know how I would lean into the Holy Spirit. You see, there's an invitation That when you go through these times of testing, it's not to show you, listen, if, if you come out of testing and your mind knows who you aren't, that wasn't God. If you come out and your mind knows who you are, that was God. You're never going to come out and him just show you everything you're not. He wants to show you who you are. He wants to show you what you can do. When I step, Jesus is all about your Yes. I got married in this church, and we got married right here. And when I stood up here in front of all these people, the, my dad officiated. He didn't say, okay, now, John, you won't do this, you won't do this, you won't do this, you won't do this. No. He said, John, will you do this and this? Why? Because I was giving her my yes. God wants your yes. Church kids know all about the no and not enough about the yes. I read a, I watched a, 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 a documentary one time where they asked church kids, what do you believe in? And they was like, well, we don't believe in this. We don't believe in sex before marriage. We don't believe in drinking. They said, what do you believe in? We love Jesus. And they actually just, I mean, in genu genuinely, they didn't know what they believed in because they'd always been taught their no's and never their yes. We, the, 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 if you don't believe this, ask someone who doesn't go to church. We're known more for our no than for our yes. I don't tell most people I'm a preacher that aren't Christians because they'll begin to completely treat me differently. It's a true story. It's not that I'm embarrassed of it. I want them to be themselves around me. And as soon as I tell them I'm a preacher, everything changes, especially in the South. Well, I'm a Christian too. I go to church. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Everybody around here goes to church. <laughs> J 
Jesus goes into a place of testing. He goes into the wilderness. He goes into this season where it's being built into him. He, he has this encounter with God, but now it has to be built into him. And so the interesting thing is that's in Luke 4 where he gets baptized and he goes into the wilderness and he comes out. It says that he went into the wilderness and he came out with power. You go into testing with the potential of something, you come out with it. Let me say that again. You go into testing, seasons of testing with the potential of something, potential of power, but you come out holding it and authority in it. And so Jesus, though, interesting story, in Luke 5, it says that Jesus would actually, it says he withdrew and he went back to the wilderness to rest. This is where it gets fun. Because most people are just like, oh, if I could just get through this. If I could just get through this week. If I could just get through whatever. You are not designed to just get through. Jesus was showing you that when you can go back and rest in that place, you now have authority in it. I can prove that to you because we see the teaching with Jesus when he goes out on the boat with the disciples. Remember what's happening? There's a storm. They're freaking out. And they're saying, if we could just get through this. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. Why? Because he's already learned these lessons. He is dead asleep. And he has no fear. And they call him up and they say to him, they say, Jesus, save us. Right? That's how most of us pray. Save me. And Jesus says to them in a, in a gentle correction, he says, why don't you just speak to the storm? He says, where's your faith? There's the difference between your petition to God and your faith in God. Anybody can cry out to God. But sons and daughters can speak in faith on behalf of God. And so here they are. They're on this boat. And Jesus demonstrates something to us really powerful here. That it's when you can sleep through the storm, you have power over it. This is a big deal because how many times are you kept up at night with something? All of us go through this. I don't care who you are. We all face this. How many times have you laid in bed at night awake and the thing is rolling through your head? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with that child? How, Lord, how is this going to work out with my spouse? And you're just awake and you're bothered and you're bothered. How many of you know when you begin to get to the place, though, where all of a sudden you've had a breakthrough and peace comes on you? And I feel like that's, that's actually where we're going to land this morning. Um, the, the peace comes on you, and all of a sudden, what happens? You rest. You see, that's one of my, for me personally, that's something that I use as a gauge in my life if I have authority over something or not. Is it stealing my rest? If it's stealing my rest, I don't have authority in it yet. Jesus went through the, se the season in the wilderness and he made it out strong. Most of us would be like, oh, I can't, you know, I, and I'm not making fun. Most of us would be like, I can't go back. That triggers me. If it triggers you, you're not healed yet. I'm not saying that's bad. That's actually good. 
triggers are like, hey, problem. What's bad is when you're like, I'm fine. And then you're going along, and it's like something else happens. It's like, hey, you're not fine. Shh. I'm good in Jesus' name. <laughs> you can stuff it in the closet your whole life. It will keep coming back until you overcome it. And Jesus demonstrated something because I think for us, so often we get through things, but then as soon as we encounter it, we begin to have, realize just because I got through it doesn't mean that I overcame it. And just because I overcame it also doesn't mean I got healed of it. Some people have overcome it, but they still haven't gotten healed. And so, with it, you know, things happen and your, your triggers and, your, you know, your, I call it the warning light on my car. If it's like, you know, hey, you better pay attention to that. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I want to encourage you to lean into those things. Lean into Jesus, but lean into the area. <laughs> you guys looking at me like this started off on the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know. I told you it's going to go. I don't know why we're on triggers, but here we are. <laughs> because we live in a world full of triggers, and I'm tired of people like, bah! and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? It's like how it triggered me. Like, okay. All right. <laughs> Because I will call you out, like, maybe get healed. Like, you know, we, we face things. We, we run into things. And Jesus showed us this picture. He didn't go through 40 days in the wilderness. And when all of a sudden he was going back through the wilderness and he was just like, man, this is triggering me. He said, no. He said, I have overcome this thing. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sleep where I was tempted. Because he overcame it. He had authority in it. When we begin to get this, man, the world is oh, so full of just loud people right now, but not powerful people. The world is full of loudness, but not powerful. When we can begin to get healed up as the church, people don't trigger you. Why? It doesn't bother you anymore. Jesus sets you free of that. You see, it's great to prophesy. It's great to do ministry. But you better believe that the devil is always waiting to yank the rug out from underneath you. Always. And it's your responsibility. To get healed. I've watched a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it, a lot of big names fall hard because they didn't get healed up. They were operating from a place. You do understand that when the Holy Spirit gives you a gift, Gifts are, they're not taken back. I've met people that their lives are a mess, and they can call out prophetic words like you wouldn't believe. I've seen people that move in, in levels of ministry that's impressive, and then you find out what's going on, and it's surprising. I believe that God is wanting to raise up a people that are not just, not just filled with the Holy Spirit, but value being healed and whole 
The word sozo means saved, healed, and set free. We're real big about saved and set free. There's a healed part. I've just been doing this. You get to the point where you just want to see people. You just want to see people really thrive in, in the life God's called them to live. And I have so many people that I love so dearly that I see so many of them actually hide behind their gifts. Because you can get everyone's attention on your gift and that way they don't look at what's really going on sometimes. And I feel an invitation this morning. For uh, This is not my notes today, guys. Wasn't even in my anywhere. But I feel like what the world really needs is healthy children of God that can just not be intimidated by their mess, not be triggered by their mess, but can say, oh, I still love you. And that's not, it's not going to stop. Well, I believe this and this and this. Yeah, that's all right. I still love you. You see, we've, we've made, you know, we've, we've made so often things in our lives that are like, well, if you don't believe this with me, it's not going to work. Jesus didn't demonstrate that. He was actually the opposite. He went and had meals with people that if it would have been a big deal. I mean, when he went and connected with Zacchaeus, a wee little man, <laughs> it actually says in the tree that he scurried up a tree. I love that passage. Just, <laughs> I bet one day we get to heaven, he's going to be like, that one passage. I knew they were going to say I scurried up a tree. <laughs> it triggered him, just triggered him. <laughs> Whoever said that, that was good. That's good. <laughs> Jesus was so filled with love, but not just love. We focus on only, we only tend to focus on love, but he was so strong in who he was that he could sit down and have meals with people. I remember hearing Chris Vallotton, he's out in Reading, say something that actually really grabbed my heart years ago. He said, I want to get up here and tell all the students at the school they should be out there doing this with all these people and having meals with all these people. He said, the problem is we're really not mature enough yet. And I, I think there's actually so much truth to that, that from a place of fear we hold back. But God is calling us to be people where we can sit down with the ones that no one else wants to be with. And not only because you're filled with love, but because you're filled with identity in Christ, and you're secure in who you are. And that's what he wants. And so, yeah, amen. This is the weirdest sermon I feel like I've ever preached, but um, you got it. And so, amen. Was that an amen? It was weird or amen? It's good. I'm going to take that as good. Thank you. Because uh, I'm secure. You didn't trigger me. Boom. <laughs> I remember one time I was, I remember one time telling the church, I said, the more you amen me, the, the quicker you'll get to lunch. And some teenager was like, 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm like, that's enough. That's enough. The teenager was my son. Now I'm joking. <laughs> oh, man. Holy Spirit, I have done my best this morning. You took us on a roller coaster, but you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Can you stand with me? We're going to see. We're going to wrap this up. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are truly my best friend. <laughs> I felt in my spirit, I said, he's my best friend. And as soon as I said that, I could feel the Holy Spirit say, then will you go with me? It's like, oh, come on. I had some decent notes for once. <laughs> All right. Lord, I love the joy and happiness I feel in the room. I'm not going to try to alter that this morning. I have felt that since I showed up this morning. There has been a lightness in the room. There has been an invitation into just, just fun with God. And I feel like it's even just beginning now. It's going to flow into next weekend with our weekend of prayer. And I just feel an invitation to play with God. There's this, there's this scripture, and I think Zephaniah, where it says that he dances over you. It says that he twirls like a top over you. There is a picture, there is a piece of God that is so fun. And he just wants you to experience that. So, Lord, I, I ask that even in this atmosphere of just joy and happiness and playfulness with you, God, that you would even point out the areas that we are still being triggered. And, God, would you... I don't know how else to pray this, but would you <laughs> make it where we can't stay a victim? We are, we are in a world of victims, God. And would you, would you put the standard in place that we can no longer live as a victim? You are calling us to a higher place. You are calling us to be an overcomer. You are calling us to a place of confidence in you where we no longer have to live fearful of triggers in our life, but we live with more of an awareness of, of your kingdom than the storm. So in Jesus' name right now, I ask that you would just um, highlight areas in our life, Father, that need to be dealt with. I pray that you would give the strength, Lord, for us to not only make the decision, but the follow through to grow, to take responsibility where needed, and to step into our identity. Look at me for one more moment. One of the hardest things about getting over areas in your life that trigger you, one of the hardest parts is taking your responsibility. It's real hard when you hurt to take responsibility for what's where your part and what happened to you. But it's actually... It's such a big part of your healing. And I felt like the Lord said, he stopped me when I was praying. He said, there has to be responsibility taken. And so, God, I don't know how to do this, but 
Would you just, yeah, that's a good word right there. Would you give us the grace, the courage, the boldness to step into the areas that we just have spent the past however many years hopping around. Because you want us to leave, and I, I feel like nobody needs to leave this place with a burden. So, Lord, give us your grace right now to take the responsibility where needed and to give forgiveness to now ourself and others. Let's just wait here a minute. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can you just say, I'm not a victim? Come on, say it again. I'm not a victim. Third time might even be good. I'm not a victim. I just, I, that is the truth about you, children of God. You're not a victim. You're, you're, the Bible says that you're even more than an overcomer. I've often thought about what is more than an overcomer. <laughs> you're not just an overcomer. You're more than an overcomer. Right now, Lord, would you just go through this room? I feel the Father and the Holy Spirit moving on hearts. Would you just continue to heal? Would you just continue to heal? I'm going to invite the prayer team up. Wow. Lord, I just ask that you would, the work that you started this morning, I feel like I've opened a can of worms. But Lord, I know you're faithful to come along and to help us. So would you do that? Would you do that? Would you give people even the right person to call on the phone? Even right now at the end of the service, there may be somebody that you feel like you need to go up and pray with, that God has a word for them. Be obedient. Maybe you need just somebody around you to stand with you and agree with you. Be obedient. Ask them, would you just pray for me? I feel like God wants to do more here. And so the prayer team is going to be up here. If you need prayer for anything relating to the sermon or healing or anything at all, they'll, they'll join with you. But I bless you. I bless you with freedom, with wholeness, with being a powerful person. You are so loved. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless a few people around you, and just don't feel rushed this morning, all right? You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's Podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.